are you today, my dear friend? I'm doing amazing, uh, amazing. Finally, getting back, uh, you know, onto the horse, into the saddle here with the podcast. Uh, yeah, after a, a, uh... a long hiatus, I'm sure all of our listeners have been <laughs> wondering desperately. <laughs> Speaking of all of our listeners, I, I actually need to do, you know, we famous big podcasters, we always help the the you know the smaller ones that need some help. And I did see an interesting one. It's called, um, and I think they could need some help, right? So so we're going to do a shout out. I think we saw um, this one called Absolutely Mental. It's by two guys named Sam Harris and Ricky Gervais. And they basically touch on them. the same topics and um, even use some of the same facts and, and so forth. And I thought it was a good thing, you know, since we're pretty similar, to give a shout out to those guys, right? Thank you, guys. You're doing a great job. Uh, maybe someday <laughs> you'll be famous. If you keep it up. <laughs> keep it up. It's like kind us. of hilarious. It's kind yeah. of hilarious. It was it was so much similarities. But no, seriously speaking, the the absolutely mental podcast was fantastic, and I think season two is coming out soon, if not already. We should actually so. link it in our description. I think I'm sure that I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to make a huge difference. To them, yes, we're gonna have ten <laughs> listeners. <laughs> anyway, so what are we gonna try and talk about today? Well, <clears throat> I think you know, in in all this chaos we're doing, we're 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 still sort of following a thread of some sort, um, um, a certain um, path through this jungle of huge questions, and um, mm. I think we concluded uh, quite. Um, uh, in a roundabout way, not very concretely or, or you know, specifically or 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 um, concluded briefly. is a strong word. It's for us. It's, <laughs> but yes. Okay. We, we despite the improbability of it all, you and I exist and have this podcast. Probably. Probably, as far as we Probably. know. I think you know. I have listened a little bit too much on sort of Max Tegmark lately, so I think we'll come back to this uh, quite quite soon in, in a podcast but um, um, it's not actually probably it's yes for sure we exist and and you know many 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 other copies of us but okay so we exist we have a podcast <laughs> actually I, I, now when you talk about I think take mark would conclude that there is a version of our podcast out there somewhere which is actually good <laughs> <laughs> and highly successful <laughs> so we exist we're not capable of experience the fullness of reality Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are able to consciously observe our experiences with some kind of feeling of that there is an I. Yeah. And this is for sure something we'll come back to this. You know, we tried to butcher the whole thing of what am I and so forth. It didn't go really well. I think I've, you know, maybe matured a little bit in my matured expanded my reading on the topic so, uh, so i think we're gonna have a very fruitful discussion uh on that but then oh so there's know, a sequel coming I, i'm looking forward there's to a it. sequel coming i think where we you know after the mushroom trip right um <laughs> <laughs> so in probability of it all we're here uh we're not capable of experiencing reality but we are experiencing something we're consciously you know aware and then the question is, you know, this I, you know, assuming mm-hmm. there is an I, and I mean, there's a conscious I, how did I become I, or how did you mm-hmm. become you, or, you know, you know, what led to that? And, um, and um, you know, I think in essence, it boils down to the good old famous nature versus nurture. 
And before we jump into that, um, what, so by way of, you know, kind of defining a bit the premise here, when we say I, or when, when you say you, what are you referring to? Uh, what's, what's the scope here? Um, how do you define the premise? Oh, <clears throat> I think we did a miserable job of that in the previous episode, right? I think. <laughs> but I think the definition here is probably a bit different too, um, in a sense. <laughs> okay, so I in this in this re- relating to this podcast, this topic, I would be the. Uh, I, I would in this case state it as the behaviors and urges and needs uh, that I am. Um, uh, willingly or uh, you know through free will or not uh, with an emphasis of not free will uh, that my body um, uh, does right so uh, mm. reacts to or, or strives for so what are the behaviors I, I show and what are the urges and needs um, that I strive for uh, and that I use these um, actions and behaviors to reach yeah that makes sense and i might i might may, maybe add or question mark if it uh, is maybe that's not too relevant for a podcast or this episode but so I, so yeah i agree i think it's sort of what determines how i feel how i think how i act my behaviors and then uh, but how about sort of just physiologically how we kind of what i look like how my muscles yeah, sure. are built, that's also my bone okay, structure so the, the, the body the physical the physical kind of well well, you know, uh, the thoughts are physical in a sense as well, that there's things going through uh, neurons and uh, and it's all mass in the end or anything, right? So, um, but, uh, or is it <laughs> to be continued? Uh, but uh, yeah, so the body, the the health, the, uh, so that's good. It's one part is my behaviors and my urges and my needs. And the other part is then the, the physical body. I am um, um, the, the thing I call I, um, you know, rides along in. How I'm built, uh, right? By the uh, sort of the the whole nervous system, muscles, bones, my skin, uh, the whole thing, right? So it's really, yeah. and I guess the only thing we're excluding then, so I guess in the previous podcast we we're talking about what is the experience of being me. Here we're kind of just saying there is such an experience. Let's talk about where that came from. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, okay. Good. Helpful. Um, so where did so where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> as I said, this is the good old nature versus nurture thing, right? So, mm-hmm. what is actually genetically driven, and uh, and what is environmentally driven, <clears throat> and uh, we can come into meta discussions, of course, and we will, I'm sure. <laughs> what is then, you know, if you look at it on a, on a on a higher level, what is that? You know, what is genetics if not contextually driven developments based on? The, um, uh, a pressure to survive, right? exactly. which is then a part of the environment. But let's just say nature versus nurture. Um, so genetic uh, inheritance or or um, upbringing and 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 context of uh, con- the context you grew up in. And you know, that's pretty much it. Nothing you know, nothing worse, nothing bigger, nothing smaller, not, you know, pretty trivial thing. We're just going to butcher nature versus nurture in the, in the next 30 minutes. I guess we are. Um, and uh, I think nature, nurture, I guess, I guess we're going to get into a little bit, um, you know, given the time that we, as in you and I, are on the earth. So let's say, you know, if we're lucky, that's another 
30 years, maybe 35. <laughs> but but if, if you look at sort of, you know, if, if you assume like a human lifespan of 80 odd years, I guess that's that's kind of primarily what we're looking at. Because you could, as you said, you could argue that environment, genes is a way of, genes have adapted to the environment, which is changing all the time. So it's all environment plus proteins in a sense. Um, <laughs> but I guess if you look at it from our point of view, kind of we have 80 years on the earth here. Um, how big part of that was shaped by genes versus the environment yeah. that we live through? And, and, and I think, uh, I mean, you and I had a lot of discussions about this, but it seems like the answer is just like, eh, it's 50-50. It's 50-50. Yeah. That seems to be where sort of people are coming out on this. On, you on know, this in, in our old old world, when we were um, both management consultants, whenever some someone said it's fifty fifty, you was like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, wait, hang on, there's an analysis that needs to be done here. That's just a guess, right? <laughs> but it seems <laughs> yeah. like the scientific, you know, uh, world is is sort of concluding that uh, it's fifty fifty genes and environment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think what what I've heard is it mostly relates to the first part of of you asked me the why what what is I, mm-hmm. I I'm not sure if it would be fifty fifty if it's on the physical and the health side of things I I don't know mm-hmm. maybe interesting I think it's more the um, concept of I my behaviors and my personality and my urges and my needs and so forth but um, well I think I think it's I think it's a really good point I think you would probably argue I think I I guess an argument that says that the color of your eyeballs is primarily uh, actually, there is reason not to be 100% sure of this right but it's primarily a function of your genes right unless something really magical happens during yeah. the first weeks in the womb which you could call environment um, I guess we could say something like the color of your eyes is pretty much genes. Yeah. On the um, other hand, I mean, take, uh, I mean, we discussed earlier today um, diabetes and metformin and, and drugs and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, diabetes, you can, you, you can have a pre, um, pre-programmed to, to more easily develop it, but then it's also the lifestyle. So maybe it's 50-50. But let's, for the sake of the argument, say it's roughly 50-50 genes versus environment. But I think it's um, it, it is it is interesting to the so some, I guess some genes some of the some of the genetic programming we have um, from conception let's say um, is very deterministic I su- I suppose like super deterministic it, you are going to have red hair or you are going to be you, you are again you're you're pre, okay you're strongly predisposed to being tall again of course malnutrition could lead to you yeah, not sure. actually reaching that that but i think it is an interesting balance here and and as you said when people say 50 50 i do still believe that there's a part of it which is come on you know it's not it's probably 50 50 so you know wherever wherever they dig um anything else would be hard to argue for i guess but still i i I mean i remember you um uh, last summer you recommended a book to me is uh the blank slate and um Mm. and uh Pinker, right? Pinker, yeah. Yeah, Steve Pinker. Steve Pinker, yeah. And um, that was very interesting because he talked a lot about the, you know, typically the discussions are skewed heavily towards the environment side. We we behave and and uh, think, I mean, the political mainstream or not even mainstream, actually, you know, uh, you know extreme sides as well. Um, um, 
societal development it's it's a lot focused on the environmental part you can be whatever you want and you know uh, yes it was this because he or she grew, grew up in a certain environment environment and uh, therefore became you know a b or c and so forth yeah well, that's half the truth and we don't treat it as half the truth we treat it as more of more of more or less the whole truth right? so there's a lot of gene factors in here there, there is, and I think there is a f- there is a fear at least in some um, com- in some communities which are. I mean, as you said, I think there's been a political mainstream or a stream at least. Maybe it's been a mainstream, but a political stream that says, "Hey, most of this is socially constructed." Uh, but I think the underlying fear has been that if the conclusion was that it wasn't mostly socially constructed, then we couldn't do anything about it, which then would turn into this you know, naturalistic fallacy that says just because nature yeah. made something true. Uh, that doesn't mean we can't change it. It doesn't. It doesn't defend it. it. It explains it. It doesn't mean that it has to be good, and we need to accept it. So I yeah. think there's a middle road here. And as far as I'm concerned, personally, as far as I'm concerned, it's like it doesn't. In terms of, I mean, I again, uh, <laughs> notwithstanding the free will thing, um, <laughs> let's I, come back I, to that I, one. <laughs> let's let's back to that one. But I I feel like it it doesn't really matter what part of my behavior comes from nature. Or nurture, as long as I understand or have some sense for why I'm behaving in a certain way, then I have some tools maybe that would allow me to change if I have to, or at least understand or accept. Um, sure, but 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 on a societal you know um, scale, um, the problem is of course when you have things that are actually genetically and environmentally driven in combo, and the symptom is something. People are, you know, kind of uh, willing to uh, to um, to put a lot of of uh, emphasis on. Well, you know, that person grew up with uh, with the right body type to to uh, to be a great sprinter or what. Sure, that, yeah. But the bad things are mostly, is, you know, my my view, and uh, maybe everything from that book I talked about, but uh, is that it's it's not treated as genetically driven when in fact it's partially is so mm. when you try to solve this bad symptom uh you solve it through addressing half of the problem which is mm-hmm. the environment but not the not the genetically one i'm not saying we should rinse out that genetically part but if at least you can make um solutions that actually consider there there is always a this typically a genetical and environmental part to any you know misbehavior it gives you a richer and, uh, set of tools to work with when you try to figure out exactly solutions, right. and uh, and I think I think it's important to to you know keep an open mind when you um, you know when you're talking about these things. Um, it, it's not it's not automatically good or bad if it is a a, a product of environment or if it is a product of uh, you know hmm. hereditary genes. It's just yeah. what it is, and yeah. But I yeah, agree. Yeah. I think it's a, if we can allow both to, to to have a role, then we we have a richer tool set. Yeah, um, and, you know <clears throat> this fifty-fifty. Um, remind me, it, they had done some pretty cool study. It's basically done by twin studies, right? You you, you take well, no, two things. You take um, twin studies where the twins have, um, you know, of course, full um, genetic similarity and then completely different um, uh, upbringings, and then you also compare adoptive siblings that have no shared gene pool but have the same environmental uh, upbringing or well similar at least 
Yes. And that, you know, those, those, um, those type of studies pretty you know, consistently come up with that, well, genes and environment in an even split. Yeah, and more exactly. genes than typically people think, right? And and the other cool thing that it that um, at least and this is what I found uh, almost a bit like a smack in the face of falling off a chair is when you kind of double clicked on what is that environment then and and in these studies they uh, distinguish between unique environment and shared environment and this is where it got mm-hmm. really interesting right where shared environment is pretty much the environment you grow up in at home so that's your mm. mom mom and dad if you have both your siblings if you have any and the first years really the really the very very first years where 100% or close to 100% of your time is spent in that shared environment and then the time outside that which then of course it's is you know uh, relatively much larger much much more time is in your unique environment the one that only you experienced you're exposed to when you start going to kindergarten or maybe even spend time at the nanny if you're young um, start school have your own interest hang out with friends peers in the neighborhood and so when you talk about environment and and its effect on who you become the part of that environment which is um you know which which is which is cons- which the part of that environment which consists of the time you have at home in your, with your family and your parents is very small. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it just makes... So I, I found it a bit controversial when I first read about it, but then it just makes so much logical sense. You know, having kids myself, and you also have kids, right? Most of their time, they're not spent under your direct supervision. They're actually spent doing their own things with their own people. Yeah, and, and that's the... I think you're um, more or less coming to that point, right? Which which made me fall off the chair on on the environment part, which is so this environment, what, you know, what is it? Yeah. <laughs> and and the science pretty much concludes that well, parents are you know powerless. You you, you have nothing. <laughs> yeah. It's actually not you, <laughs> which is a bit weird because if you do twin studies sharing a similar upbringing, right? You know. It, should probably have something to do with parents, but so there's some kind of gap here. I I, I don't really get, but anyhow, um, let's leave that aside. And and it's not parents, it's peer group. So it's all that stuff outside the parent. That's what really matters. That's what yeah. really impacts you. I mean, you can you you can hear if you have kids in school how they talk. It's not how you talk, right? That's it's no. that's not the way. <laughs> no, clearly, I mean, <clears throat> my son definitely didn't get his accent from me to put it that way um <laughs> but i mean parents do so so of course they dump the first 50 percent in there right which is the genes they're just dumped in well, there it depends on if you're an adoptive parent or 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 a foster parent or something right yeah but the gene part right so the gene part is there by your biological parents but then the the sort of the shared experience part of the environment of the environment part that's where your parents kick in and the amount of time that parents have an opportunity to influence is just very small to begin with. And then what you do with that time um, really only seems to matter if you do it poorly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So if everything fundamentally that is environment is, is um, driven by your peer group. And by the way, let's come back to this uh, peer group thing because it's kind of an interesting thing, but 
then what's left for a parent is basically, you know, don't fuck them up. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, you know, teach them to say that, you know, these superficial behaviors where, where you can, um, well, you shake the hand if you're in a culture where you shake hand like that or, uh, you know, eat with the chopsticks or whatever it is, right? Uh, that that's it. So love them, uh, you know, have them survive, and and teach them nice superficial behaviors. But the 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 values and the other behaviors is actually the peer group, and that's yeah. that's tough. That that's yeah. tough actually to, to hear because you. When I heard that, I sort of reevaluated my parenthood a little bit. What I should focus mm-hmm. on, yeah, <laughs> love and superficial behaviors and, and skip the values <laughs> it's kind of and it is because you can of course um <clears throat> if you want you can take like a um you, you can take a stance i guess which is more of a glass half full stance which is if if you want to bet here even if you're betting against the odds the bet you do want to place as a parent is to okay leave out leave out your values you know so with your kids leave out your values um be be a person be the person that you'd like them to be. I can that, then at least you've used the opportunity you have for the better. Yeah. Um, that and that you, and then, but then you know, compared to not screwing them up, that's kind of un, less important. Um, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so whatever you do, right? If, yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless you want them to be a mad, you know, a mad uh, bully who, who you know rips uh, legs out of uh, of uh, chickens, <clears throat> then you can maybe combine bad behavior and treating them like you want them like you like they should be treated if they become what you want them to be but i think that's a very select few that that go that path the rest of us yeah we should do of course you shouldn't just you know skip all of the the values parts and so forth of course but you should realize that well most of that will not come from you it will come from the environment you're not a part of exactly and and the other thing which relates to this is um even though you even though you i mean i'm thinking about stories of you know uh <clears throat> parents mothers or fathers that have had their kids locked up in rooms and cellars for decades i mean if you truly wanted to have full control of your yeah sort of child's environment that's going to be your option and i don't think that and if that is in line with your value system we have other problems um sure no, then uh, you don't have a peer group. So, um, right, yeah. and the op- and the opposite, but, but then the opposite is exactly the peer group is the same as the shared environment by definition. But then, of course, <laughs> you have the opposite uh, conclusion, which is, um, you know, you really have very little, if any, control over the circumstances that your that, that you or your kids, right? So we're talking about both yourself and your kids are going to meet out there, right? You may be mm. hit by a car. You may have an accident. You you may end up with two bullies that truly give you an awful experience for three years in school, and that is going to leave a mark. Um, and yeah. if you, on top of that, then have a predisposition genetically for some sort of, you know, lack of some neurotransmitter or whatever it might be, all of a sudden you have developed a serial killer, right? The, the yeah. combination of some predisposition genetically and some horrible experiences that were really came down to bad luck right if you think yeah. about it all of a sudden on, you have produced the, a, a problem on the other hand it could also be maybe you're genetically programmed for some kind of benevolence and then you have this horrible um peer group uh, exposure in school and you're bullied and, and hit and, and that actually drives you into becoming a very 
considerate and thoughtful and, and helpful person because you don't want anyone else to, 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 to feel the same ever, right? So I guess it can go uh, the same thing based on, on genetics can, 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 and, you know, happenstance can, can, uh, can lead to a different path. Um, Absolutely. And I think that's that, and I think that has also been, as far as, far as I understand, reasonably well sort of established by both research that have tried to, you know, claim that, you know, really poor behaviors, like let's say psychological disorders. I mean, there have been attempts to say that they're fully social constructs and other attempts to say or to prove that they're fully genetic or heritable. Mm. And and again, the conclusion is, well, actually one kind of needs the other and it goes both ways. You can you can have a an absolutely considered person who is the who's, who's acting out the 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 value system of an angel that had a horrible you horrible upbringing you can have the opposite so yeah, yeah i agree no, with no, that no. Yeah. by the way <clears throat> i think we discussed this at length um in, in, in not in a podcast but but in other discussions it's it actually this this part of the 50 percent that is a peer group it really puts the finger on one more thing you can do as a parent right <laughs> it is good this good old saying well he or she is in such a good peer group right and then it makes sense because that's actually something you, you you could influence. I mean, you can say, "Oh, this you know this school is um, let's change school," or uh, you know this this soccer or football team is is a great let's you know you know push push the, uh, him or her to be there. Or this is a great ballet um, teacher, or whatever. I mean, you, you can actually. You can actually do something with that. So let's not forget that as a parent, you can, you can, you know, don't fuck them up. Uh, teach them love. Uh, teach them superficial behaviors, and then you know, put them in a peer group that you believe in. But we'll put them. I don't think it's so easily influenceable, right? They will. You could say, you could say, you could say, maybe this is a nuance. You could say, be mindful of the peer groups. It might be, if you're you're able to influence it to the positive, awesome. But maybe even more importantly, and I'm the negative guy here, I I just realized, but maybe even more importantly, if you do see something off with any of the peer groups that the kid is is interacting with, switch, right? Switch. Yeah, so like my um, one of my uh, one of my children is, is in a is in a class in school which is pretty um, rough, right, and uh, mm-hmm. and noisy and and so forth, and you know that's that's not the right environment. So so you know, we, we would consider switching schools if we found something that would be uh, better because and that would be driven by uh, you know we we know what our kid needs to um, to have a a fruitful school experience and uh, we also know what we would prefer to be the peer group or the environment that that you know kid grows up in so so that we can we could influence but you know then you have all all, all other sorts of considerations with that as well of course but that's that's one way to do it. so by the way i, I <clears throat> before i forget i need to get back to one point and it's actually connecting to our previous episode mm. uh, so <clears throat> At what point, well, there's actually two here, right? When does genetics stop or gene stop and environment start, right? So, or rather, when does environment start? <laughs> ah. not, not from a mega scale, not from a mega scale, but, you know, when, uh, how early in the, you know, fetus's development is actually environment something that, 
I mean, the, the I, don't, I don't know anything about this, but you know, the, I assume there can be different chemical, you know, imbalances um, in um, during sort of the early stages of of um, the features. Does that influence? Uh, probably, I don't know. But but when those measurements, it, it, I don't even know when they say fifty fifty. At what point do they consider that start? Well, when I think that is the kindergarten or. Yeah, I think I think the um, so I mean my uh, what I as far as I'm concerned anyway, I think fifty fifty is the way the way I think about the fifty fifty is that it's a it it's sort of a broad it's kind of a broad conclusion across a number of different types of studies. That's why I think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I did I did hear this one guy talk about the fact that environment starts pretty much right after the first cell division, more or less, right? Because there's chemistry involved in the uterus. Mm. Um, and there is, for example, this guy mentioned that if the if the mother is very anxious during a certain trimester, even a part of a trimester, the likelihood of the child being sort of predisposed to anxiety was higher. And there were a few other examples Ooh, mentioned. You now uh, put a lot of pressure on, uh, on, uh, <laughs> on mothers uh, to be, right? Uh, sorry for all your mothers to be out there. Stay calm. Stay calm. Um, no, so, no, but I think uh, you're onto. You're definitely onto something. I think the 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 environment starts having. It seems like the environment starts having an impact because uh, the genes are inside a chemical environment pretty much from from the get go. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess, but but I but I don't think that the fifty fifty number takes that into consideration. I do believe that's more of a. I think that's the, the environment there is more defined as like a social environment rather than the, a chemical environment. But I think there is a case to be made for that the, the the environment that interacts with your programming starts pretty much from the first cell division. Hmm. Next question on that or thought: how how late in the process would you not be you if someone had mixed with the chemicals? <laughs> so so if after the first cell division, if if someone had mixed with the chemicals one way or the other, that, that sort of next cell division happened, and it was something done slightly different, would it still have been Martin I spoke with, or would it have been 2.0 or 0.9? I don't know. So th- this now we're making a very elegant but... Uh, treacherous uh, <clears throat> backflip into one of the previous episodes here, right? Uh, yes. And I say tre- and I say treacherous because you know what I'm going to say. I'm going <laughs> to say every matter. day, every day you wake up, you're a new you. Yeah, because um, you go through those cell divisions and and you're different use all the time. And uh, consciousness is about integrating those experiences. And I think you could argue that maybe the same happens. And the question is, of course, how, how early is something conscious? But if we, if, it, if you forget that for a second, I just think about this as chemistry and cells interacting. Um, I think pretty much that structure will continue to have different use throughout. It's going to be different eyes, two cells, four cells, eight cells, 16 cells. Ah, now I'm 32 cells me. Ah, I'm 64 cells me now. <laughs> but there's nobody actually thinking that. But yeah, you know what I mean. Cool. It would be cool to know when the first thought appears appears in a in a in an uh, unborn child. But never mind. That's that's for another topic. Yeah. So fifty fifty, roughly. Yep. Nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. The nurture thing, pretty much peer group. So parents, you know, 
do your thing uh, for the fifty percent, uh, and or you know, um, or you know, as, as me, you adopt the kids, and then you know you haven't done your thing for those fifty percent. You 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 got that sort of um, one way or the other, and um, and then um, treat them well. But then another thing that is. I have I haven't seen as much statistics around, but I, I, I'm I'm sure I'm I'm sure I've heard this at least a couple of times. It's about the sort of those fifty percent about the half time of that. So how quickly mm. does that fifty percent get set? And it's pretty damn quick. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's not like well, it's uh, until you're twenty and it's two and a half percent per year until you're twenty. No. It's like twenty five percent is done after one year, and then and so forth. So by the time the kid is like three years old, you know, the room it's 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 fine tuning and tweaking. You can do, and you can always fuck someone up. You can. I mean, you you can probably make a mass murder out of a of a twenty year old if you if you put your mind to it, right? But uh, if we take that sort of negative side, uh, side, it's early on. Yes. So, so you know, again. Um, uh, that preschool or kindergarten is pretty important. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is, and the, um, the, kind of the the limbic system that you know is a bit of a, at least simplistically put, kind of the trigger system for your emotional life. Um, it's kind of wired up already when you're like a year or two years old, um, and and then the environment that you're in will. Um, shape the way you regulate those emotions so when you're a child you will just cry when it hurts but after after you know you reach a certain age social pressures culture um is helping you now regulate you have developed the mechanisms and the the neural networks in your prefrontal cortex that kind of regulates that so you're not just going to cry out loud unless there's some social uh situation that allows that and we can get all into the part of a you know, gender identity, which may be male-female here. I think that's maybe a completely different podcast. It's going to be more problematic to do. But uh, it's only when you're like in your mid-20s that the, the emotional system has kind of, your brain has settled in and, and sort of hardened. So between, you know, adolescence up to 20, 25 years of age, you are not able to regulate your emotions in... Mm in the context of your social structure, which is one of the reasons why most people in prison are men between the ages of 18 and 25. The only reason they're not in prison earlier is because you're not allowed to put somebody in prison until they're 18, at least in Sweden. Um, but after that, you're, you're able to regulate, especially things like aggression, uh, more effectively. Uh, so those ah, earlier so the, are really important. So the basic sort of personality with his urges and, uh, and needs and, and, and sort of uh, in core you know, default mode thing, that's set early. But then the, those last percentages of development are pretty important then because it allows you to regulate who you are to, to uh, uh, probably um, you know, uh, project a more uh, <laughs> socially... Um, viable and and stable person than than what's it and then sort of the cave person that is in there exactly and and even what you're taught will come into question right so if you tell if you teach a very young child not to lie they just then typically they don't lie they won't lie but you know 
after a while and they will know it's it's bad to lie and if they lie you can tell but as you grow older and older you get into certain social contracts and there are complexities with interacting with other humans you'll pretty soon figure out that there are situations where it actually is correct in a sense culturally and value wise in a, in a, given a certain individual now I'm saying that it's mm-hmm. actually the better solution to lie and that complexity of sort of the the instinct to do A versus the knowledge that you have also B, C, or D you could do. You have to integrate all these things. Your neural network is testing all the outcomes and then you select an action. Um, and that just gets more and more sophisticated as, as the context changes. Um, and, um, and of course, if you then have had some really bad experiences in your adolescence, for example, that mm. trip that system up badly, right? Uh, yeah. that, that's going to have an effect. Okay, so so basically, so, uh, you 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 get fifty percent um, at conception, and then uh, another fifty percent during your upbringing, mostly through a peer group. Uh, the the core of you is set at an early age, but then you spend adolescence and early twenties in uh, putting fail safes in, so to be the most um, efficiently used. Uh, efficient use of or leverage of your personality, or or the least destructive one, right? Or that, that, so that that's what happens. Then. So those last 5 percent, five or ten percent, are pretty important to to uh, for the society to to function. I think I, I think so. It seems like it at least. Um, and we I should, mean, and, and, we should uh, have a podcast on uh, on the brain at some points. I've read uh, or listened to. Right? I stop reading and just listening to stuff. Um, a lot of cool things about how the brain works. Uh, oh, the, yeah, the halves, the 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 halves. That's it's not what you taught, right? What the half, different halves do. That's not what you taught. It's, it's different. And then the cooler thing was this um, brain scientist or uh, a, an AI. He talked about these columns. So your whole your whole cortex is built of this little tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. I can't remember, but um, thousand with lots of digits behind small uh, columns or uh, columns uh, that are basically um, um, a input uh, processing output or action uh, kind of um, algorithm in all of them mm-hmm. and each of those is is like a supercomputer and then and you have, you have you know tens or hundreds of thousands of those and all of them do the same thing. It's nothing different. Yeah. <laughs> you can all do the same processing. It's just a matter of what the stimuli coming into them uh, say. Well, off topic, but that's pretty cool. And um, it is very cool. Uh, and we should definitely come back to that. I agree. Uh, it would be another topic for two laymen to sink their teeth into. <laughs> exactly. So, but then, I mean, one thing, of course, and this comes into free will, which is for sure going to be a topic as well. Right? I know it. But, but then, assuming you've been dealt a really poor hand in life, you know, you have, you know, your gene pool sucks. It's a miserable, full of defects physically and, and you know, neurotic uh, tendency to ne- neurot- yeah. neurosis of different sorts and, you know, whatnot, right? Horrible and then you have an upbringing which doesn't make it better, right? And, and you're... Yeah. Yeah, what what's left for you? What what can you do? What can you what can you do about that? It's in a tough spot, right? But what can you really do? Can can you? How much? Well, we think about a scenario where you. Yeah, but we think about a scenario where you sort of you you wake up one morning and just realize that 
you know, you've, you've done a number of tests, you've gone to the therapist and you kind of just figure out that, you know, your dopaminergic system is off. It's just, it's just damaged. You have no positive emotion left. You're prone to negative emotion. You had a horrible upbringing. Uh, well, now at least you know. Laughing um, with sadness. Yeah, but I, I don't know. But at least, uh, it, it, I mean, it, okay, I don't know. But one thing is, if you if you've concluded that this is the this is the thing, this is why I act in a certain way in the world, maybe that would give you some leeway to try some new things out, and maybe depends on how. I guess it depends on how you're currently thinking about those actions, right? So if you if you're a person that would constantly kind of blame the misfortune and blame others, blame the system, blame work, blame friends. Maybe you would be in a position to say, okay, maybe maybe it's not all them. Maybe I've been I've been dealt the poor deck of cards and I've had some misfortune, uh, but I can I can change things. I, I don't have to hold myself hostage to the external situation. I mean, I can maybe change that. I can maybe move somewhere new. Um, I can maybe try one or two new things every day that makes me feel a bit better. Maybe I can, you know, educate myself, or maybe I can look for a job or something. Uh, maybe it would, if you knew all those things, if you, if you kind of realize one day that I know all these things now about myself, maybe that would give you some sense of empowerment to kind of go out and change a few things. Absolutely. I don't know. And and I mean, I, I would just blame just I would take just drugs. Over my shoulder and I would just blame you know, everyone in front of me in the or behind me in the genetic pool and, and all my childhood friends, I would go you know, bananas on, on, on them. And then self-medicate with mushrooms. <laughs> Heroin. I'm not, and cocaine. I'm not sure. If, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if mushrooms is what you should go for when you when you're uh, when you're ah, uh, no, probably not. when you're that stage. <laughs> probably not. Well, I did hear. Um, I did hear. Um, it was on um, Sam Harris's podcast, and he had a a guy, a, a, a psychotherapist, who who was using a lot of of uh, mushrooms uh, and uh, psychedelic, right? And uh, <laughs> he got the question: If, if, uh, what's a safe dose? I mean, what what is the limit? Because this like, oh yeah, what's it called? The psilocybin? No, psilocybin. 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 Apparently, well, don't don't try this at home. Uh, but but apparently, it's it's not it's viewed to be not um, harmful in a in a physical way, right? You can you can have trips that go bananas, and then you're you know might be a little bit damaged, but not physically. Uh, and and then you got the question: So has it been tried? If if it you know if it can be in too high doses, actually be physically damaging? <laughs> and no, they haven't done those kind of tests. But there were apparently three Canadian uh, three Canadians <laughs> who had who had tested it. So it was just sort of anecdotal. Okay. It was not statistically relevant, but it was. I think it was. One took like ten times uh, a high dose. Ten times. Okay. Like, one took something like you know fifty or a hundred times a high dose, and the next one took like three or five hundred times a high dose. Okay. And no one, none of the three got physically damaged, but two got rid of long time psychological issues. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yeah. I've also, I've also heard somewhere that they are. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interest in uh, the potential therapeutical, you know, benefits of certain types of psychedelica, and I guess the problem is how do you do that research these days? Because it's, it's you know these are substances which have been deemed illegal in many places. But I I yeah. think and I actually hope personally that we are going to see a bit more research 
proper scientific research in this area because yeah but that that's what i said on, so that was a, was a kind of an interesting podcast uh but um um they there's a lot of uh, research done uh, now and uh, it's not done on lsd because that's uh, that has a because it's, and the, and the answer to that was because its name is lsd and it has a negative connotation so instead they do the magic yeah. mushroom right and uh, yeah it's from let's see how do you end up on magic mushrooms? It's uh, I don't know, <laughs> but uh, but that's uh, that was kind of interesting. So maybe that's one one thing you do if you if you dealt a horrific deck of cards and, and feel that uh, you have too many psychological problems, you take five hundred times the dose of of um, of magic mushrooms and see what happens. Don't that is the do that. Sorry, I I did not endorse that. I've never tried it. Don't do it. It was a joke. We're not endorsing it, but you know, it might work for you. Just saying. <laughs> um, All right. So, so, so I guess so where are we going with this? No, so I, I, I it feels like we were. Um, I feel, I feel like we may have drifted off on a tangent here, um, and uh, I guess we're not quite used. Yeah, I guess we're not quite comfortable yet with trying to keep these short. So I guess that's why we were hesitant to, you know, wrap it up. Um, we're well into forty-eight minutes. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. So, um, 50-50, gene, pool, environment. The environment part, mostly from peer group, and has a very rapid half time. So, so you're pretty much set at your core at a, at a young age, and, uh, and then you then you spend the rest of your uh, early life. Um, Trying to uh, figure out fail safes to make that self work in a, in in your context by by developing the the uh, synapse uh, connections in in the in the cortex and uh, parents, you know, do what you can, be loving, uh, and and don't fuck them up, and uh, you yourself, you know, accept the deck you've been given and do the best of it. What makes you happy? Exactly right. I could not have been said better. It's yeah, great it talking could to you. have been said much better. Let's stop at that, maybe. I liked it. I buy it. <laughs> cool. So, okay. take care. Have a good one, my friend, and see you in episode five. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye.